This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Welcome to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm your host. And today on the podcast, we've got a great conversation with John Aiden. With more than 25 years of global experience spanning five continents and 28 different countries, John Aiden has been a senior executive with a record of delivering growth, leveraging scale, driving innovation, and building high-performance teams at some of the world's top companies, including Walmart, Mac Tools, and Frito-Lay. In September of 2021, John began leading one of the largest Christian ministries, David C. Cook. John and his wife, Crystal, have been married for 25 years and have two children and live in Colorado Springs, where David C. Cook is headquartered. This is such a fascinating conversation between John and Richard, and we'll leave links, as always, in the uh, description and the show notes to uh, ways to connect with John and, and some of the stuff that he's doing at David C. Cook now. We hope you enjoyed part one of the conversation with John Aiden, and uh, if you haven't heard that, you can go back and listen to that on the podcast. And now here's part two of Richard's conversation with John Aiden. Oh, John, I want to shift gears a little bit here because there's another aspect I think is really important, and uh, and that is you you've been a business uh, man all your life. You've been out in the corp. You've been in corporate America learning all the, the ropes to be successful there. And, uh, and then after a bit of a, a, a wilderness season, God puts you into a Christian ministry. It's a, it's a business, but it's a, it's a ministry business. It's a Christian environment. It's totally different kind of setup than you've had to deal with before. And yet um, it just seems like all of your, your experience in the business world has been perfect preparation to take this ministry and help it thrive like it hasn't for a long time. And, and I've said for a long time, one of the, the great problems with the church in general is they don't know what to do with their business people. And you've got all this talent and problem solving ability and entrepreneurial possibility thinking uh, people there in the pew. And we just want them to show up and maybe serve on a committee, but there's, uh, and, and so I just wonder you're, you're, for me, just a great example of, of when a, when a business person comes into a Christian setting and says, how can I use, you know, you, you don't want to necessarily do God's work the world's way, but there's a lot of experience that you gain in wisdom that does apply to God's work. And it seems like it's working for you. And so any, any word, there's a, I know there's a number of CEOs and business people who listen to this podcast and they may even be concerned about the church that they're a part of, but thinking, well, I haven't been to seminary. You know, I've, I've never been on a church staff. Like, I don't know. I just, I'll write my check and hope that they work it out. But I, I think there's a, a huge untapped resource of business people that the church needs to grab hold of and, and find the, the, all the answers and provision that God has made available right there. What, what would you say to the business folks today? You bet. You bet, Richard. I, I actually think if it's okay, I, I kind of heard two questions there. One is just about the business of nonprofits and the leadership, you know, moving from corporate world to the nonprofits. And I'll start with that. But the second question of just business leadership in general and engagement in the church and, and what should that look like? So maybe we'll, I'll talk, sure. talk about that briefly, but secondly, but first, this is a very interesting topic. This, you know, moving from Walt, moving a, from a lifetime of corporate America running and, and running around the globe to a ministry, a 146-year-old ministry hmm. that's, that's sole purpose 
is to advance the kingdom of God by building disciples. Hmm. Um, it's interesting because when you walk into that environment, you know that the audience is like, oh boy, you know, uh, what, what's going to happen here? Yeah. What's going to happen to the mission, vision, and values of our organization? I've my whole life have talked about dollars, not lives, but to me, they're, they're, they're linked. You know, you have to have some metric. So it's been interesting as I've transitioned in because I only know one kind of leadership, the kind that I, I do. I don't, I don't know a nonprofit me and a corporate me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to be more aware, but I will tell you, I actually think the nonprofit world uh, of leadership could really, uh, there's a few plays in the corporate world's playbook that they ought to be copying right now. <laughs> I think are important. And I, I'll just share a couple of these. Sure. One, one of my observations as I've moved into this nonprofit ministry and church oriented area is that leadership development in the church and in a nonprofit is, is significantly um, less purposeful leadership development is done in a much less manner than it is in corporate America. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I, throughout my career, uh, I'll give you an example throughout my career, Richard, I I've probably spent millions of dollars in my corporate lifetime, developing people, mm-hmm. developing the people around me. Um, I think it's a very predictable process. You use some type of an assessment tool that, that helps people understand their strengths and weaknesses you share that with the team. So the team starts to understand the team dynamics of their strengths and weaknesses. And then you start together the long process, you know, months, months, years, even of small one percentage change adjustments to our strengths and weaknesses that help us work better with each other. And as individuals, that's what leadership development looks like that how life change happens in corporate America. But we don't see the same focus inside of ministries and churches in general. In no. fact, a lot of our leadership development looks like a half-day rally with 55,000 <laughs> people in a stadium, mm. you know, and it's very rah-rah and emotional. But I tell you, if that worked, corporate America would be doing that. Huh, yeah. But they don't. They do something different. And I think that there's a huge opportunity, Richard, um, for leaders in uh, ministry, leaders in nonprofits, uh, to be much more purposeful and intentional about leadership development of their teams. Mm-hmm. That's one of the first pieces of advice I would make. The, something I noticed very quickly as I made the change. The second thing um, I noticed that's significantly different is the focus on innovation. Mm-hmm. Innovation. In corporate America, in my professional career, I spent a lot of time innovating. Uh, you know, you're always trying to get better on every single thing. And, yeah. You know, and, and I, I used to feel like if a third of my sales, no matter what the product line was, if a third of my sales weren't coming from innovation, then we weren't changing fast enough. Hmm. I move into this arena and we don't talk about innovation the same way. I don't see the same passion, the same fervor for disruption. And I, I think I think I, I think we underestimate you know, God's creativity at times Hmm. even. And, um, Hmm. you know, there's big problems that need to be solved. And I think our father has the big answers and Hmm. we above all people ought to be innovative, focused on innovation and trying to bring that to life differently. So I'll tell you, for me, within 90 days of being here, Richard, I put together, I took 25 of my top leaders and we put them in a 12-month leadership development program that I participate in every month. Hmm. It started with a two-day 
workshop together where we did the assessments and really built relationship. And now every month we get together and we focus on something new for, for a whole afternoon. And so that was my focus on leadership. And then in January of this year, I took one of my most talented leaders and I created the innovation uh, organization and mm -hmm. I staffed, she's the leader of it. I've been putting some of my um, fastest moving uh, employees over on her team and they're already creating digital innovation, curriculum innovation. They're doing things that we're launching right now that we just started 110 days ago. Uh -huh. So, um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not just, I'm not just shouting from the mountaintops lead leadership development and innovation need to be a priority. I'm also doing it and it's actually working for us. Wow. Wow. And, and John, let me, you know, I, I, I know some of your stories cause you and I teach together quite often, uh, in, in a curriculum for CEOs, but, um, but I know, uh, especially, I know some of the stories back when you were at uh, Mac tools, you're a very, very secular company. Uh, and yet as a, as a Christian business person, you, you, God really used you to impact the culture, uh, direct reports, becoming Christians, uh, starting Bible studies. You, you had a, I think you had a motorcycle riding club that you did. <laughs> give us a couple of ideas of you, you went into a secular, almost hostile to Christianity kind of environment. And you just, you try to be true to your faith and, um, and, and God used that to impact a lot of your, your folks. Um, how, Give us some, uh, maybe a, an example or two of what do you do if you're if you're working in a secular environment, but you want to be salt and light there. Yeah, well, let me let me just uh, I can answer this question, but I got to bring full context to it. <laughs> um, I grew up inside of a Christian uh, family, went to Christian schools, but I will tell you, it was not until. January of 2003, that for the first time in my life, I started to understand the difference between religion and relationship. Mm. And that this is when I'm almost three years into my CEO uh, tenure at Mac Tools. Uh, the year before had been very challenging. I found myself in the fall of 2002 um, out on the West Coast one day talking to a man telling him uh, my anxiousness about being a CEO and whether it's even the life I wanted. And he said, you know, you don't have an issue with being a CEO. You just need to meet some different CEOs hmm. with different values. And, and uh, he said, I'm going to have a friend call you on Monday. And, you know, our, I've had a thousand people tell me somebody's going to call me and they <laughs> never call. But on this day, a man named Mac McQuiston, the next morning on a Monday morning at 8 a.m. called me and introduced himself. And Mac was the CEO of an organization called the CEO Forum. Just so happened that that November uh, month, uh, that weekend coming up, the forum was having their once a year event down in Dallas. He invited me to come. I flew down there. I walked in and I all of a sudden started hearing CEOs talking about values and their faith and the Lord in ways I'd never list. I'd never heard people talk like this, Richard, hmm. and I was so hmm. enamored by it. It was such a bold move towards faith. It was actually, you know, almost uncomfortable for me at the time. But but Mac at that at that at that weekend said, "Hey, I'd like to mentor you. Can we start uh, doing a Bible study next year? I'd like to lead you through a study called Experiencing God." Hmm. And so in January of two thousand and three, Richard. Mac and I started experiencing God and it took about three weeks for God to use that Bible study to literally just transform my life and turn it upside down. Hmm. And my leadership has never been the same since. And hmm. I fell madly in love 
with the father and I, and just the pursuit of experiencing him. Hmm. Um, and we could talk about this forever, but, uh, I mean, it was, it was like work almost became, um, uh, 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 I mean, work definitely became secondary to this pursuit of just learning and knowing more about our father. And I mean, I was still a, a successful CEO at the time, but my whole priorities changed. And I remember early in that process, you know, as the Lord was transforming me, uh, you know, he starts to, you start to have a desire to, to be used by him to transform others. You just can't help it. And, um, and, uh, I, uh, I remember one of the first times uh, I was at a, I was at a racetrack, a, a NHRA drag racing event, and they have church on Sundays. This particular Sunday was in the Budweiser tent, which is interesting, but um, anyway, they're, they're, they, for some reason, the man uh, that was leading the service knew that the CEO of Mac tools was there and that I was a believer. And he asked me to come up and say a few words. And Richard's the first time I'd ever talked publicly about the father hmm. and, I can't even really remember what I said, to be honest. And I sat down and I just, I was so overwhelmed with, oh, I need to be so much better. I need, I have, I have so much to learn. I ha I need to be ready to speak in this moment. Hmm. You know, if I'm, I was really hard on myself for, you know, the next 15 minutes of that service until it ended. And then after that service, Richard, I bet you two dozen people lined up. Hmm. next to me and just wanted to say something about my words and how that impacted them in that moment. Hmm. And I learned that day that it's not about me. Hmm. And it really doesn't even matter what I say that the father says what he's going to say through us. And I just need to trust him and depend on him. And that became my, my really my mantra. Hmm. And, you know, there was a time a couple years into my life change, maybe 2004, where I, I thought, I, I met uh, some of the Kathy uh, organization and Chick-fil-A and I thought, boy, it'd be great to go work for a company like this. And I had decided it was time to leave kind of the heathen corporate America, yeah. so to speak, and go work in a Christian co company. And that weekend, as I prayed about it, I really felt like the Lord said, John, I did not bring you this far to change your life so you can go someplace else and start fresh. Stay where you're at. Change your life. Let me Let me do what I've started. Let me finish it. And watch what I do with it. And I'm like, mm -hmm. but Lord, you know, it'd be so much easier to just have a fresh start, not have the baggage, not, not have the people that watched me at my worst as a leader. Now I'm trying to convince them I'm a different guy. Mm -hmm. You know, Richard, by the time I left Mac in 2007, uh, two thirds of my direct reports had become believers. Yeah. And it's just the power of God's transform, transforming. And, and I've always been purposeful. This gets to answering your question now. Um, I'm sorry to, yeah, no, it's all good. Yeah. What I learned and I've always been aware of when I first started thinking about my faith in the workplace, I would pray and I'd be like, Lord, do I need to bring, you know, my Bible and put it on my desk? Do I need to get a dove calendar and hang it in my <laughs> office? You know, what, what do I need to do to make sure that people know that I, that I love you. And, and the Lord more or less just said, it's not, don't do just be just be with me, be hmm. with me. Don't, don't, don't look for, for opportunities for you to, to advance, uh, the kingdom on your own. Just, just be with me and you'll be amazed at what happens. And that's exactly what's happened, Richard, hmm. over time. You know, I, I, what I started to become attuned for is in the middle of being close to God, he gives us little assignments, hmm. pray with this person, go visit that person, do this, do that. 
And as you complete those assignments, that's what God's used to start changing the lives around you. So as over time, we did, we started uh, prayer groups. I did Bible studies with people. Um, we, you know, we, we brought uh, 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 services into our big uh, annual gatherings. There's a lot of things we did, but I'll tell you this. To me, they all felt like they all started with the Lord telling me, I want you to do this. Now mm. go do it. Mm. It wasn't me sitting around going, how can I make sure everybody knows that I'm in love with the Lord of the universe? Mm. Uh, it has never started with that. It's always been just, Father, whatever you ask, the answer is yes, mm. regardless of the consequences. And you and, and you and you know that some some folks struggle with that. They'll say, Well, God's never spoken to me like that. You know, John, it seems so easy for you. Just do what God says. But what if you're not sure what God's saying? But I know that you've just had a number of times, I've heard a number of your stories where maybe it was just trying to, like I know when you're at Mac Tools, trying to just, you know, buy a swimming pool and God just starts to give you truths from first and second Timothy about leadership and yeah. of all things, using God's word to to help, you know, develop leaders in a secular company. But you, how does that work for you? Like, you know, what's the process look like where God just is guiding you very specifically in what, even when you're in a secular company, you bet. I, 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 over time, and I don't want to make this too much of a process because I think God speaks and work. He requires faith, so He never does everything exactly the same all the time because you know. But I'll mm -hmm. tell you this: what I've learned is uh, that seeking God starts with prayer and a posture. And for me, on everything, I have an opinion. But if I really want to hear from the Lord. I got to start with, Lord, get my opinion to neutral. Hmm. Even though I may want this or don't want that, uh, help me to get to neutral so that I'm not imputing my will on your will. Make sense? Yeah. Then yeah. that's number one. Then number two for me, I'll go to scripture, Richard. And I, when I pray that I need, that I'm asking and seeking the Father, then I actually expect the Lord to answer that. Hmm. So when I go to the scripture, I'm immediately expecting, okay, there is something in this right here that the Lord's trying to tell me. And it might not be on this page. I might turn the next page. I might look at my center reference and there'll be a verse that takes me halfway across the Bible to another place. But when I pursue an answer expectantly like that, the father has been very faithful and oftentimes will take me that way. If I'm willing to be diligent, if I'm willing to, to, to stay with the process, and so I'll start to feel like I, I get an insight. And then depending on the, 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 the scale of it, I may pause. And then for the, you know, I may, I may chew on that for days and make mm. sure that other scriptures will reinforce that. Um, but, um, uh, and that's, that's kind of the process. And then I'll, I'll read back through my journal and I'll see, oh my goodness, for weeks now, I've been journaling on the same thing and I didn't even realize it. It's like, He's been answering every day, but I, you know, mm. I just, I haven't connected the dots. So uh, I think for me, it's been learning to start from a, a posture of neutra neutrality, trying not to impute my will on God, which is very challenging because in all things, I have an opinion and I <laughs> have what I think is the right answer. And then, and then praying uh, and then expectant, expecting God to answer that prayer and mm. to start opening up my eyes. Uh, uh, and the last thing I'll add to this uh, over time in this process uh, on the really big decisions of life, I've also learned how important it is to include my wife in this mm. process. Mm -hmm. Because Richard, one of the ways that the Lord has really helped me 
for example, this move to David C. Cook. This has been a life change. This this was not on our radar screen. Crystal hmm. and I were headed to the beaches of Florida. <laughs> We've got a ranch in Arkansas. Our life was set. And now we're selling everything. We're abandoning our dreams. We're moving to the mountains of Colorado. That was not a light decision. Hmm. But you know what? As I'm pursuing the father and his answer, so is my wife. Hmm. And oftentimes, it's amazing how many times I've come into my kitchen with tears in my eyes. And I've said, Crystal, I need to talk. I need to tell you what the Lord's telling me. Mm. And she'll look at me up from the table where she's sitting with tears in her eyes. And she'll say, I need to talk to you. I need to tell you what the Lord's telling me. Mm. And then it will be the same thing. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm just convinced that the part of pursuing God's plan in our lives, Richard, uh, uh, f- for those of, when we're couples is, is an important process as well. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the Lord will, the spirit will give me half the answer and my wife half the answer just mm-hmm. to make sure that we're connecting. Wow. Well, well, we're, I know we're just about out of time. We're, I'm going to have links, uh, to John and his, uh, his, his company. I know what, well, maybe one last thing, just a minute or two we have left. I know you have a passion for Gen Z for the young generation. They've been disparaged, uh, they're, they're, they're different in some ways, their viewpoint, but I, you have such a view of, uh, of what God might be doing in the younger generation. Do you have, could you share just kind of what you're sensing at this point? Oh, Richard, this, we're going to have to talk again because yeah. this conversation is so important. I will tell you the gener- generation Z and now generation alpha is what I call kids 12 and under. We spent a lot of time in the last two weeks with some of Hollywood's greatest storytellers and greatest insight peoples continuing to learn about this generation. I will tell you, Richard, I think this is the greatest generation uh, on the edge of uh, incredible things beyond what we could ever imagine. They've been the most lied to, deceived, politicians, uh, media, big tech, even the church has let them down. But because of all of this, what feels like a perfect storm against them, I am absolutely convinced that that perfect storm has been thrown at them because of the potential of of this younger generation, Mm. what God's going to do through them Mm. to influence the world, to impact the world uh, and uh, and, in his kingdom. So uh, it's a much longer conversation, but I have great expectations uh, for Generation Z and Generation Alpha. And... um, I'm, I think half of the reason I'm in the role I am in is so we can start creating tools that'll unlock their potential. That'll, uh, they're, they're a generation that I think uh, demands authenticity. Hmm. They have a radar for truth. They know when they're being, when they're being lied to. Uh, and uh, candidly, uh, I think uh, because of that, when they hear the truth, they know what the truth is and they'll respond accordingly. But, but the challenge is, is how do we get the truth to them? And wow. so I just, I'm very passionate about the potential. I have a great hope in the future of humanity uh, on the backs of Gen Z, but there's a lot of work to be done. Wow. Well, John, I knew we'd run out of time and we're going to definitely have to have you back and just talk some more. There's, there's a bunch of questions I never got to, <laughs> but uh, I know we got a hard stop. You need to go, but uh, thank you, John. And for those of you listening, we're going to have all kinds of links. Uh, there's some exciting things happening at David C. Cook under John. And if you haven't been aware of them before, you're going to want to go check it out. I, I wanted to have you brag a little bit just about some of the new products you've got coming, but we'll try to maybe put some links there and, uh, and we'll have you back for sure. John, thanks for giving us the time and may God use you mightily in the days to come. Thank you, Richard. Thanks, John. 
Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackme.org.